Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, everyone. Today's guest and co-host is Cameron Monaghan, who you know from Gotham, Shameless, and the recent thriller Shattered. Cameron and I talk about traveling, first love, the benefits of heartbreak, life lessons from Morgan Freeman, and a lot more. Our first call today is with Julia, who wonders if her fear of asserting her own opinions will eventually lead to losing her sense of self. Next, we talk with Jonathan, who still has feelings for his ex, but recognizes that trying to remain friends is confusing and often painful. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like to talk with us, we would love to hear from you. Just look for the link at unqualified.com. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Unqualified with your host, Anna Ferris. Cameron, how are you? I'm doing great, and thank you for asking. I'm dying to travel. Tell me a little bit about Spain. Were you there for pleasure or for work? I was there fully for pleasure. And this was the first time that I traveled, I think, in like five or six years. I don't vacation. And obviously, no one has been vacationing for the last couple of years. The entire time, I was convinced that I was going to have to cancel it at the last minute. You know, I tucked myself away in my house for like two weeks going up to it. Like, I can't get like a positive test. I can't blah, 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 like whatever. I didn't even like want to go to the grocery store. I was just like, oh, man, I can't do this. And then it turned out to just be like an utter dream going there, (sighs) which is amazing. I went with my girlfriend and it was just insanely romantic and just beautiful. Like we saw so much art gallery to gallery every day. And there's like so many resources there for art. And yeah, just like ate so much food. Do you both eat everything? We eat everything and you have to there. I know. It's just like dairy and meat and bread. It's like everything that people in LA don't eat. It's so good. Yeah. I didn't realize how big potatoes were. In Spain, like everything is potatoes all the time. And that's like a food that I just like don't allow myself to eat really anymore. But I was just like, all bets are off. We're doing it. No regrets. I'm just going to live. So it's just it's just like wine and romance. And it was just beautiful. It was such a nice time. Did you guys drive around? Did you rent a car? We didn't rent a car. We did take the train out of town a lot. I went to Madrid first. I was there by myself, which was really interesting. I like to travel by myself and I'm a big fan of it. But also there gets to a point after a few days of like, I would really like to share this moment with somebody else. So I went over to Barcelona and that's when my girlfriend joined me. And yeah, that city is super walkable. So we literally walked like 10 miles every single day, tried to find all the little pockets and talk to locals and just were like, what recommendations do you have and what can we do? We did like all of like the tourist things that you're supposed to do. We saw flamenco and we went to the Picasso Museum. But then we just had like all the little surprises too of just like sitting in the parks and just enjoying life and just seeing people and how 
how they live. And that stuff was just really cool. <sighs> really, really cool. You're just making my heart ache. I have a deep love for Italy. Mm. And I just can't wait to get back. Cameron, okay, I truly have a gazillion things I want to ask you. But I do want to tell you that we had the privilege of getting sent a screener of Shattered. And oh, yeah. it was so much fun. <laughs> cool. Oh, my Good. God. So you shot that during quarantine? Yeah, we did. Yeah, we shot it at the beginning of the year in rural Montana. It was an amazing opportunity to be able to do that, obviously, during that time when so much was not being made. And yeah, I'm very thankful that we got to do it. I had never been to Montana either. And outside of the fact that it was very cold, which it was, it was also very beautiful. And that was really cool. Did you stay in Missoula? I'm imagining that you were in a small hotel or something and had to have like an hour-long commute. We stayed in Bozeman for part of it and then Big Sky for the other part. And yeah, the commuting was tricky to say the least. Everything was iced over all the time. And it was really interesting watching the little pass vans try their absolute best to make it up these icy hills and just kind of slowly rolling back down in defeat. But yeah, that house was really beautiful. And it was owned by the nicest older couple in the world. I think they were probably in their 70s, late 60s or 70s. Very sweet, kind of like the puffy vests and like ski season kind of people. And it's like, oh, the owners are here. The owners are here. Yeah, be careful, please, everybody. Yes. But at the same time, there's like so much like blood and just craziness going on in that movie. People are just like screaming and fighting all the time. And it was just like, if you guys knew what we were about to do to your home, I don't think you would let us in here. <laughs> Totally. Uh, yeah, they were very kind. And hopefully when they watch it back, they have a really funny story about the house now. Cameron, you said something that I thought was really interesting. It was a critique of your character. The idea of like, you know, a pretty privileged person. The glimpses mm. that we know early on in the first act are that you went to MIT. Right. You inherited some money and then mm. you invested really well. Right. And your character, Chris is closed off. Right. I thought that was so interesting and I appreciated it. For context for anyone who doesn't fully know the story, my character, he's like a tech multimillionaire who at a very young age sold his company for an exorbitant amount of money and now he's living in this like very fancy house up in like the mountains. And he definitely does not understand what it means to live the life of just anybody who's struggling, who's going through the normal hardships of what life is bringing. And instead, he's so insulated that it's not necessarily that he's a jerk, but regardless of whether or not you're ignorant on purpose, you're still ignorant. Right. And I do think that this character needs a major wake-up call. I don't know if that necessarily means like being kidnapped and extorted, <laughs> but also like he does need to kind of be shooken awake. And this girl ultimately ends up doing it to him in what is a very twisted sort of romance a little bit between these characters. I mean, there is something, I think, romantic about them, but it's also like the worst fears of what a relationship can be. They're not with me for the right reasons and they don't actually care about me or, you know, it's like that kind of anxiety, except it's turned up to 11 in our story. I thought you finessed that idea so well. Thank you. 
of someone who is privileged, but mildly entitled. You're not overt with it at all. Yeah, I think that that is a good way to explain him. He doesn't have the appreciation for the level of comfort and the lack of trouble and conflict that he has in his life. And if anything, he almost views that as a negative as opposed to what most people would view as the goal. And he seems to be the opposite where he just is looking for an escape in something beyond what he has in his life. It's definitely an interesting character. Would you mind telling us a little bit about a heartbreak that you've had and how you got over it potentially? Oh, yeah, totally. You know, I think that for me, my biggest one was my first one. And I think that's normal for so many people. Do you mind my asking how old you were? We met when we were 16. Yep. That's the sweet spot. That's that sweet spot. Yep. Yep. You're just right for the picking for heartbreak there. Yeah. I was 16, actually... Crazily enough, I met her on the set of the pilot of the show Shameless that I was working on. She was related to someone in our staff and she kind of was visiting the set. At that time, I was like this weird drama nerd kid who was like, I had been homeschooled for the last few years. I was just really into like movies and anime and martial arts. I didn't have like a proper social life really and did not know how to speak to a girl. And met this girl who was just like super confident and really funny. Was she 16 too? Yeah, we were both 16. I think she was a few months older. So, you know, older woman. Uh, (laughs) And yeah, so we had like a lot of firsts there. Lost my virginity with her on prom night. Oh my God. Wait, you (laughs) went to her prom? Just going full cliche. I went to her prom, which was amazing. I had a great time. That was like such a nice thing to just be like a visitor in another school. You get like all the benefits and none of the the negatives, you know, just like you kind of come in like a rock star. Just like, yeah, we're going to play a set, you know, we're just like here to have a good time. She's like, my boyfriend's on a show. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And then ultimately she didn't live in Los Angeles. She at the time was living on the East Coast. I went and visited her pretty regularly, you know, every like few months. We dated for like three years, right? When you're like 17, 18 years old, you do not have the finances and the independence and that kind of stuff to really be able to be traveling and supporting like a long distance. To cultivate a relationship. Exactly. We talked so much on the phone, which was great. It was beautiful, like very traditionally teenage romantic relationship where we had blogs like Tumblrs and like WordPresses and stuff like that, where we would write short stories and poetry and that kind of stuff. And we were sharing them with each other. And it was just like lots of expressive love language, blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, it was very idealized because there's so much safety in that. Yeah, especially in our world, Uh which is the world of, you know, financial insecurity, like zero security in general, but needing something that feels solid and stable. Totally, totally. And, you know, when you're not living with a person, you get all of like that affection and communication, but then you don't have a lot of those hardships of like, yeah, but you don't put your socks away and you don't listen to me when I'm like, we have to go or we have this thing that we have to do or whatever. Those like practical reality things you don't necessarily have to deal with. And I think that we started realizing like the times that we were actually spending together, you know, I would like come over, she would come over and just like spend like a couple weeks or something. We started going like, is 
this actually what we want? But because we were so young, we were so terrified. I mean, don't get me wrong. People are terrified of letting go of relationship at any time, but especially when it's your first, you're so, so terrified to let go. And so we were hanging on probably way longer than what we needed to do. And I think that ultimately... Did you make the call? She broke up with me. And then I think I like begged my way back into a relationship at some point. But it was one of those like we're in, but we're not in really. The half-life idea. Yeah. I think she was physical with somebody else, which like, of course, that's the other thing that we were that 17, 18 years old age. And like, that's a time like when you need to be discovering things about yourself and what you like physically and that kind of stuff. And we were so in a drought in that department because we weren't living the same place. It's like she needed to do those things. And in retrospect, that is abundantly clear. But at the time, it was like a dagger to my heart and it totally. felt like the end of the world. So yeah, I remember she called me up and was like, I don't think we should do this. And, you know, I've been talking to someone and blah, blah, blah. And I felt completely taken off guard by it. Even though the seed had been planted yes. subconsciously. Oh, yeah. Like, 100%. And to a certain point, I think that I was also distancing without realizing that I was distancing and kind of doing that passive-aggressive thing of, like, you're searching for the end of the relationship, but also the teenage me was like, no, but this is the love of my life. So I was very taken off guard by it. And I remember walking back into the house and just like breaking down and crying and just feeling like this feeling is never going to end and having that month or two of just like... Did you have a song that you played ever? Oh, yeah, I know I did. Maybe Death Cab for Cutie. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. All right. <laughs> I'll follow you into the dark, just uh-huh. like, <laughs> you know, which is a beautiful song. Don't get me wrong, but it's so sentimental. Uh, my movies, too. Blue Valentine. I watched a lot around that time. <laughs> it's like there's that human need to nurture the sorrow, to feed it for a while. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's helpful. It's useful. Heartbreak is useful. It's educational. Completely. It's a big motivation and changing things in your life and doing like all those things that you wanted to do, but you were just kind of sitting in them and not really doing it. You tend to like get in better shape and use it as a sounding off board for all these things. Like it can be a positive thing. You know, I actually started like dating for the first time in my life. How was that? It was great. It was great. You know, it was a transitional period, I would say. I was not good at it. I didn't know what I was doing, but it was interesting. I was meeting people who were so different from my first partner, and they would do things that completely surprised me. And I was like, oh, right. There's so many other options and what the dynamic of this can be. And it was great to like try on those new relationship clothes. I don't know if that's a weird way to say that, but you know, like you need to have like some dress rehearsals and you need to kind of like know what things are so you can find out your preferences and kind of recalibrate what it is that you're looking for. And I mean, thank God she broke up with me because I think teenage me would have just stayed in that for an indefinite period of time. Trying to make a bad thing work. Yeah, that's not great in the long run, but you know, hopefully we get better about that stuff. I think I have. I hope I have. My 16-year-old crush, we were in a relationship for a year and a half and I loved him. 
as one loves as a 16, 17 year old without much examination. Yes. (laughs) And like he was cruel. He would make fun of people and uh, just like that was such a turnoff. Yeah, no, that's the worst. Finding out elitism and just dismissal. I hate dismissal too. Just when you just dismiss people, it's just, it drives me crazy. It's a lack of imagination. Mm hmm. What drew you to your current girlfriend? What qualities does she have? I think to me, I'm really attracted to just like simple kindness, which I know is like a very obvious thing, but it's not. I really like people who are just genuine and communicative and seem to be operating from a place of like, I'm just like looking for good things for people that I care about and for myself. And like, I think that people who like really do just take care of themselves are doing a service to other people too. Like when you're proactive about like self-care and being generous to other people, like with your time, with your energy, I think that that is lovely. And that I think was the initial thing that really took me off guard was she was just like so genuine. You know, I think that upon first meeting, I was kind of wondering like, is there an ulterior motive to this? You just seem like nice, you know? But it's interesting. When I say nice, I don't mean complacent. Like, I really like people who are down to kind of communicate difference. You know, they'll call out something that they think is kind of like, that's weird. You know, again, it's not coming from a place of I'm trying to change you or something like that, but it's just coming from like, I observe this thing and I like talking about it, you know? And I think that kindness is also like communicating effectively and doing that from a place that is like generous. And I think that that's what I noticed as well. There was a really lovely dynamic upon first meeting that's continued for going on two years at this point. I am really happy for you. And I love it that you sort of specified maybe the common misperception that the idea of kindness is linked to weakness when generosity of spirit requires courage and strength and confidence, Mm. you know? I think it's just lovely. I don't know if you've already talked about this on your podcast or in other things before, but what attracted you to your partner initially? Thanks for asking that. (laughs) Kindness, but also honesty and sincerity. Mm. He looked at me sort of steadily in the eyes when I would ask a question. He is a DP and didn't talk a ton, but I would. Partly awkwardness and partly like my own sense of bravado and quiet on a level that I hadn't had before, I think. I just appreciate him so much. And he also just like can't get enough of me either. (laughs) (laughs) Which is kind of rad. (laughs) That's great. That's great. It does. It feels really good. It's really nice that you asked that because actually I don't think anybody has. So thank you. Yeah, it seems like you have a lovely relationship for the dynamic of like, because we're artists, we tend to fill a lot of space, like as performers, you know, it's it's something that like we feel (laughs) uncomfortable with silences and stillness. Totally. We're so just searching for that approval. (laughs) I just said something really funny, honey. (laughs) Like, well, where's the laughter? Yeah. Like, come on. (laughs) Okay. Our first caller is Julia. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Julia, hi. Hey, Julia. Hi, how are you? Good. You're here with Cameron, who is fucking rad. Awesome. Can't wait. Thank you so much for your letter. Will you tell us what's going on? Yeah, sure. So I have a really hard time expressing my wants or putting myself first. You know, let's say my husband wants Indian food for dinner, but I want Thai food. I'd rather get the Indian food because like it'll make him happy. And if we got what I wanted, I kind of feel guilty the whole time because we did what I wanted. And, you know, he's so kind and loving and giving and a wonderful partner. And I know he wants me to be happy, but I still just can't bring myself to kind of put myself first a little bit. And it's, you know, not just with him, but like with pretty much anyone I love, you know, I just kind of always put everyone first. And I'm really worried that I'm going to start losing myself and all the people that I love if I don't change that soon. When I read your letter, Julia, I was thinking about how my husband and I take a lot of road trips and I'll put on a podcast, usually a true crime podcast. And sometimes after a long while, he'll kind of blurt out, are you enjoying this? And I'll realize that he has been trying to let me listen to it for as long as he could before it got too disturbing for him. And they do get pretty disturbing. You also mentioned in your letter that you tend to be the same way at work. Can you tell us how that's been? Work, it's pretty okay. I do have a hard time saying no, but usually I'm okay at least saying these are other things that have to be higher priority. So I will get to it just at a later date, which helps. But, you know, sometimes I do get a little busy at work as well. If you were to say, I really want Thai food and he would agree to that, would you feel guilty eating Thai food for the rest of the night? Yeah, definitely. Oh, babe. Yeah, it's like, are you sure that's what you wanted? Are you sure that's okay with this? Do you have kids, Julia? No, but we are going to maybe start trying for a family kind of soon. So Yay. I want to get this under wraps before that starts. Oh boy, it won't <laughs> ever be under wraps. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm kind of worried about. Cameron, what are your thoughts? 
So is this just exclusive to stuff like what movie you're going to watch or what food you're going to eat? Or does this also kind of lead into like work decisions, financial decisions, life decisions, that kind of stuff where you feel like you're hesitant to necessarily like introduce your opinion about that stuff? Do you know what I mean? For sure. I think at least in my relationship, it definitely is kind of the bigger stuff too. Mm. I really want my husband to be like happy with his work. And I feel like I'm happy in most situations. So I like try and be more flexible, but like, I'm sure he would be too, to be flexible as well. So it's just kind of, I'm just really in my head about it. I feel like I've definitely been on the other side of this a lot in my relationships where I do get excited about things and I want to show my partner. I'm like, oh, I love this movie. I want to watch this movie and this song, eat this food, blah, 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 whatever. But at the same time, not having an awareness of your partner's desires and needs is also something that you have to be aware of. This is such a two-way street. And it seems like this might be bothering you enough that you've been considering it and feeling like you don't necessarily have say with some stuff. Have you communicated any of this to him yet? Yeah, I actually, I brought it up and he took it so well. He's so nice. He took it so well and he's like, okay, well, just let me know what I can do, like how I can help. And, you know, lately he's like caught me a few times where I'm like, okay, well, whatever you want. And he's like, are you doing the thing where you're putting... That's really That's great. a good sign. Yeah, he's really great. So he's catching me on it, but I'm still doing it, even though he's well aware and he's trying to help me. I'm still doing it. So something has to change. I wonder if you can emphasize this idea again, like using the Indian Thai food example. If you can say, baby, even if you let me get my way, I'm still going to feel like you're not enjoying this as much as you would be enjoying Indian food. And it's kind of in my nature and I want to work on this. I don't pick up the idea that you're harboring a ton of resentment. No, I don't think I am because, you know, I've always heard like resentment's kind of the enemy of a relationship and it will kind of crumble it from the inside. And so I really don't think I do. But at the same time, it's like sometimes I just wish he knew what I wanted so then we could actually just have a conversation. But really, I just need to communicate what I want. He can't read my mind. It sounds to me like you both have a little bit of work that you need to do. For him, I think he should take an extra step to ask what it is that you want in one of these positions. It's not necessarily that he introduces his idea and says, is that what you want to do? But he first asks you so that you don't have that guilt of, oh man, we're eating the Indian food now. You know, if you are given the opportunity to be able to express that, then I think that you're not necessarily going to feel this conflict. By the same turn, though, I think that you shouldn't feel any guilt about wanting to do the things that you want to do. I mean, I think that that is such a lovely thing. You seem like a smart and very nice person, and I'm sure that you're doing something that you want to do simply because that's a thing that you enjoy or, or that's the decision that you want to make in your life. And I think that when you feel yourself sinking into that feeling of, oh God, am I doing this just for me? It's like, Anna has something that I think is lovely that she used to say, I'm sure she still does, which is that 
you should be selfish in love. And I think that that's true in the sense of like, you have to take care of yourself and you have to be doing the things that make you happy and make you feel full. And a partner is going to love that and respect that if they love and respect you, which it sounds like you both have that for each other. And the reason why I think it's so smart that you flagged this a little bit, because if you are thinking about having a family, that element will only amplify as you give more and more of yourself and give up, you know, things that you love or feel strongly about. I would say, baby, I kind of want Thai food tonight. And I really am having a hard time with feeling a little bit of guilt around that. Will you just tell me that you really want Thai food too? (laughs) Yeah, I like that. And I bet anything he'll be like, yeah, I totally want Thai food. (laughs) Yeah, I think he'd probably be able to do that. I'm worried that we're simplifying something, but it might also be something that, I mean, we are unqualified. (laughs) But Julia, like how much does it haunt you? Like, do you stay awake at night wondering if you're too passive in life? I guess I just worry that I'm going to get like 10 years down the road and not know who I am anymore because I'm just lost in everyone else's things. Do you have like a circle of friends and or family or someone that you use as a jumping off point for like decisions and that kind of stuff before going to discuss it with your husband? I definitely have really close friends that we talk about, you know, what's going on in our lives. But I feel like I generally do talk with my husband about it first. So I think what you're getting at is I should talk to my friends first, maybe so I can solidify. It might be helpful, I think, for certain things of just having like a backup second opinion about a thing, you know, and when you have that, you might feel a little bit more secure in your decision. Obviously, not so much for Indian food and Thai food, (laughs) but for big decisions that you feel like are going to affect you and you don't want to be harboring like a resentment about them that you feel like you're just doing a thing for your partner, not necessarily for you, it might help give you the confidence that you need to be able to discuss that and feel like you have an interior life and a social and friend life outside of the partner, I think will only help deepen the relationship dynamic that you do have. So, you know, that might be worth considering is just for these things that you're a little hesitant that you might have like a difference of opinion to run that by somebody else first. That's really And you're not alone in this sense. I think we've been socialized, especially as women, to be pleasers. Like we're not happy unless everybody Mm -hmm. in the group is happy. And does everybody have like their forks? (laughs) But it sounds like you have an incredibly receptive partner. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like you could tell him something like, I am a little worried. I used to like doing this and I used to like doing this. And now I don't do those things as much anymore. And... I love you so much and I want to have a family with you. But I do think that as we have kids, I know that that will dissipate even more. And I'm worried about my own sense of frustration. And I just want you to be aware of this. There's nothing that you have to do necessarily. Just hear me a little bit on this sometimes. Does that sound like good advice? I think so. I think he's aware of me being worried about all of this stuff, but not in like a, I am worried about X, Y, Z. So be aware so it doesn't happen, maybe. Do you have an activity that you do in solitude at all? Uh, I like to exercise. I try to exercise most days. I think that's an important idea to kind of just keep up Mm -hmm. so you have that moment to yourself. 
that it's just you and you get to pick the playlist. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that something like that, or if you feel like there's anything that you've lost a little bit just due to like compromise in life. And I know it's kind of hard right now because we've all been like at home so much more than what we would normally be. And it feels like we're like losing our (laughs) ourselves so much in general. But it might be worth considering trying to take that time out for yourself. You know, if there are these things that you really like doing to make sure that you regiment some of that time for you to make you feel like you're cultivating these things that you enjoy and that you're taking care of yourself and having your own independent life. You know, you don't want to be compromising so much now, considering that you obviously are going to be giving up a lot in a lifestyle change if you guys do have kids. So you should continue to bring that up and just allow each other to have the space to change and to, you know, improve that aspect of your relationship. And I think that that's all what we're trying to do all the time is just look for those little improvements. And I'm really wishing the best for you in that aspect. Thanks. I appreciate it. I think that's really great advice, Cameron. Um, Julia, does your husband work long hours? Long-ish. It's not super long, though. Do you feel like you need to be home when he gets home to have like dinner ready and stuff like that? Not necessarily to have dinner ready, but like I don't like making plans in the evenings because I like want to spend time with him, but we live together. So yeah, yeah. (laughs) We spend plenty of time together. I would like in the next few days when the time is right, when you guys are both relaxed, I would kind of lay this out for him a little bit. Mm-hmm. Tell him what you wrote to us and what you told us that it makes you happy when other people are happy. But the other side of that is a little bit of like, oh, is my voice being buried? Mm-hmm. And am I doing it? Am I burying my own voice sometimes? I bet he would hear that, you know. Mm-hmm. But I hear you, Julia, you're not alone. And I think for a lot of women, I mean, I'm in my 40s. I think that this is very much the pattern we've been socialized to Mm -hmm. do. Definitely. Yeah. I'm really happy for you, though. Thank you. It sounds like you have an awesome marriage. And I'm really excited for you guys to have babies. (laughs) And I so appreciate you writing to us and talking with us. And I hope we gave you some good food for thought. I think so. I think you guys really helped. Like, I'm definitely going to try and make sure I kind of do things for myself. Gentle communication. Mm-hmm. I promise you won't be annoying. <laughs> and I bet that he'll be like, oh my God, yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. Let's get tie. Right. Coming from somebody who's been on his side of that so often, I'm always really appreciative of when my partner does voice that and does help me because, you know, I, a lot of times it's just, I'm not aware. Mm-hmm. And I just need a little bit of that reminder and that wake up. And it's so appreciated. Obviously, no one is a mind reader. And if this is something that's on your mind, I think he will really, really greatly appreciate you communicating that it'll benefit not only you, but also him as well. Yeah. Julia, thank you so much for your letter and for talking with us. Thank you, Julia. Yeah, thank you so much. I feel like you guys were so helpful. I can't wait to talk to him. Good. And don't forget that we are also always evolving. Mm -hmm. So the idea of losing oneself is kind of a murky idea. Sure. That's kind of the awesome thing about being human, I suppose, is that we have this capacity for constant engagement in our own growth. Yeah. Thank you again. Truly, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks so much. Take care. Bye, Julia. Bye, Julia. Bye. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. You gave great advice. That was so nice. She seems like she's as like a wonderful person and like she's very generous, but it's interesting when you're generous to a fault where you feel like you're losing yourself and just trying to be kind to a partner. There's a conditioning aspect, I think a societal conditioning aspect to it. Although I think that being more of a pleaser is actually maybe a happier road in life potentially than being resistant to generosity, I guess. Mm, No, 100%. I think that so many of us are trying to work on operating from a place of generosity all the time. And it sounds like for her, she just needs to take the space to make sure that she's being taken care of and her needs are met as well. I wanted to ask you before we get to our next caller, though, who have you learned from? Like, What actors have you had sort of magical experiences with? So middle of July, shooting in Mississippi, but I was working with Morgan Freeman on that one. And that was really interesting, really, really wild. We were sitting in this car with each other. There's nothing like a long car scene. It's like a road movie. And it's the two of us sitting in this little old, like beat up Volkswagen for a lot of the movie. So it's just us two sitting there. And I got to learn from him a lot. He was so, so prepared and so, so on top of it, it was really amazing working with an actor who didn't want one more, you know, <laughs> who just like, he knew if he had it within the first one or two on his close up or whatever. And he's just like, all right, well, let's move on. Like, time to do the next one, you know? And that was really interesting. I've noticed that the really great actors that I've worked with have such an awareness of like when you've got it. And to not be super neurotic and I just need to keep, I don't know, maybe I need to try it like this or I need to try it like that. It's just to be so secure about the fact that like you did the thing, you said the line, you hit the mark, you did what you needed to do. So as long as this is good for everybody else, it's going to turn out okay. Did that make you feel steady or did it make you feel like, wait, I'm going to, maybe we should do one more. It was interesting. I think at the beginning, it took me off guard. And then I really learned to enjoy it and to appreciate it. I mean, it's just so much of it being on a set or environment like that. It's just like letting go 
in kind of being okay with if it's not what you planned for a scene, if the location or something is different, like it doesn't matter. No one knows what it was before. You know, whatever you did there is going to be what it is. And so it's great to just like learn to just be all right. With that, obviously, you do all the work ahead of time so that when you get there, you can just let go. I do think, you know, seven years on a sitcom did teach me sort of the idea of like, all right, you bring what you have to offer and you get two chances at it and then that's it. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. We were lot mates, by the way. Oh, we were? You were on the WB lot, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you were on there for seven years. We were there for 11. We traded stages so many times, but I think there was one or two seasons that our stages were back to back with each other. So You guys had fucking amazing sets. Yeah, it was great. By the end of the show, we had like expanded to multiple sound stages of just like all these built sets. It was pretty cool. Not really what you'd expect watching that show. So much of that art of what they do is making it not look like it's on a soundstage. Right. We had really good production designers. I don't understand like that art. I think it's so amazing that you can put so much attention to detail to make things feel like super lived in and just like beautiful in the sense that they're not beautiful. Like they're so beaten up and they look stained and used. Like I think that's such an amazing art. I thought for sure you guys were on location. For our listeners who aren't aware of what we're talking about, we're talking about Shameless. Mm -hmm. Do you mourn anything? Yeah, I mean, I do. But 11 years is a long time to be doing anything. You know, I'm sure you felt the same way. It's like a goodbye, but also, you know, you're not walking out of a lot of these people's lives. You're going to be seeing each other. And regardless, it's like a shared experience that you all had. And it's immortalized forever as the show. So it's okay to let it go. Totally. Yep. And also, it does feel really good to have that chapter be closed and to be like, all right, now I actually get to do a bunch of new things and experience new challenges. And even when it's difficult or it's not like as secure as what you had, that feels kind of great too, to be like, yes, I'm back out in the wild. That's a fun feeling. Yes. (laughs) Back out in the wild with insecurity. (laughs) Okay. Our next call is with Jonathan who titled his letter, how can I be friends with my ex if I still have feelings? Oh boy. Okay. Hey, Jonathan. What's up, Jonathan? Hi. Thank you for your letter. Will you tell us what's going on? So I was dating my ex for about two and a half years, and it all happened like really quick. I had moved back to Arizona from living in Maine, and I ended up getting my own place, which I didn't expect someone to move in with me. And then about maybe after two months of dating, he moved in with me. Did you meet him in Arizona or did you know him back in Maine? We met here after like a month of me living here. Gotcha. Okay. And he was in a bad living situation. So I offered for him to move in here and it just got a little crowded and it went from like dating to... Intensity. Like married life. Uh-huh. Yes. But the first year was really good. And then COVID happened and everything like magnified. And it wasn't like it was before. But we had like trauma bonded over like a bunch of things. Like since moving here, I had been in two car accidents and my cars were totaled. So he had like let me use his vehicles while I was looking for another one. We had gotten a dog together. And um, I had wanted to adopt an older dog. And she lived for about another six or four months. 
And then we put her down. So it was just like all these things were kind of happening. But we ended up breaking up. And it's like nothing that either one of us did. I just kind of confronted him that we're kind of stunting one another. I just didn't feel my best. I didn't feel as happy as, you know, I normally do. And he agreed that he didn't either. And last summer, he actually was looking for places before we even had this conversation. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Unbeknownst to me. And I was about to start a new job and then there was the weekend and then me starting the new job. And he asked me like on a Thursday, like, what are we doing this weekend? And I said, like, I don't have any plans. And then on Friday, he said, well, I only asked because I'm scheduled to go see a house in New Mexico. And he's like, I didn't want to tell you because I didn't want you to be pissed off at me all week. And I told him, like, I'm pissed off now because you didn't tell me. And now you have plans to be gone for the weekend. He didn't end up getting that house. But in August, I think, is when we had our talk. And I said, you know, like, I don't want to put you in a tricky spot. I know that the housing situation is crazy now because of COVID. So I gave him a couple of months. And at the beginning of October is when he ended up moving. And he didn't find a place here in Arizona or nearby. He moved 10 hours away in New Mexico. Why? He has family in Texas. And he said they're about two hours away. Part of the reason he didn't find something here is because he wanted something affordable. So, I mean, it was just, I guess, circumstantial. It was hard, (laughs) definitely hard. But it was even harder because, so he moved out, I think, the first or second weekend of October. And he took everything he could and then he left. And then the next weekend he came back, rented a U-Haul, got the rest of his things from here and then emptied his storage unit. And then the next weekend he came back and we already had tickets to go see Chelsea Handler. So we did that together. And it was hard that time because it felt like, you know, we were dating. Right. You know, he had his arm around me at the show. It just didn't feel real. Like I told him, like, you still love me, don't you? And he's like, I do. And then from there, I didn't see him until my birthday weekend in December. And the weekend after when I was going to go to Vegas to like celebrate my birthday. So we had two dogs together. I wanted to keep one and then he took another one. And while planning to go to Vegas, I didn't want to like hire someone to come over to my house. So he agreed to take my dog, Nico, while I was away. And then he ended up coming back again for the holidays. Was he staying with you when he came over that time? He stays with me every single time. And for the first couple of times, it was like him and I sharing a bed. But the last few times, it's him staying in my office and I feel bad. And it's like, you know, I want to say like, you can sleep in the bed with me. It doesn't matter. But at the same time, it's like me kind of normalizing what isn't normal anymore. I know in your letter, you mentioned an age difference. Yeah. So I think I was 25 when we met and then he was 42. So I'm 28 now. And then he's going to be 45 this year. And you had the apartment. Yeah, like I had literally moved from Maine in February. And then I think I finalized everything at the end of April. So I just immediately bought my own condo. Maybe a month or two afterwards, like we were full on living together. And I think it built a lot of resentment. Sure. Would you say that you were more of the caretaker in the relationship? Definitely not. Okay. I was so used to being independent, doing everything for myself. And 
he is such a people pleaser. And I really leaned into that to the point of like codependence. So it sounds like if he's looking for places in New Mexico, he was deceitful in the sense that he was kind of on the way out to some degree without telling you. And I know that he was looking at places there before, and I don't remember why, but um, he told me that's done. Like, I'm not really looking there anymore. And that's before, like, we even talked about splitting up. And then when he went out there to look again, it was like a huge shock to me. This part doesn't add up. Right. I don't remember why he was looking there in the first place because it's not like I was going to move and we didn't talk about splitting up. So when you got to the point where you were like, hey, this isn't working, it sounds to me like he kind of forced your hand. Am I incorrect in this? I'm a confrontational person. If there's an issue, I want to talk about it. I want to get it out of the way. And he is the opposite. He will walk on eggshells till do anything to change the subject or avoid the conversation. And it had always been an issue with communication. I remember the specific day. I remember he had got a membership for a gym and we were going together. And it was just like I was there and couldn't be there. Like I just didn't want to be there. It just was weird. And I just walked out. And he called me. He's like, I just saw you walk out. Like, what are you doing? I'm just like, I'm just walking home. And I made it maybe halfway home almost. And then he's like, where are you? I'm leaving the gym. I'm going to pick you up. And I said, like, you don't need to. And of course he did. And then we got home. And that's when we talked about, like, we aren't communicating. I'm not happy. Like, it was really more so me who expressed it because I know he never would have. But I just wonder if he was kind of surreptitiously leaving the relationship I mean, it's crazy to go look at places in New Mexico while he's living with you. Right. Without giving you a reason. I mean, family is two hours away in Texas. This isn't adding up. Mm -hmm. So you say that you felt like you weren't happy with him when you guys had your breakup moment. It feels like you had something stewing in you and some resentment. You left the gym. Yeah, you were obviously frustrated with some stuff and it feels like you might have intuitively had a feeling, like a gut feeling, even if it was not one specific thing. Maybe it was a frustration that you guys just weren't on the same page in some way in your relationship. But I guess my question is, it feels like when you've been seeing him these last few times that you still have something within you that is drawing you to him. And does the relationship dynamic feel different when you hang out with him, first of all? And secondly, I guess what I would just ask is, in an ideal world, what would you want with him? What would you be looking for? Well, to answer your first question, when we hang out now, it's like golden. Hmm. And I think it's because there's no pressure Whenever he comes, it's for, you know, something like a celebration to be like with my family, something like that. And that's the main thing is like he's so integrated with my family. Like my family refers to him as an in-law. That's how close he is with my family. That's hard, too, though. My friends ask me, like, doesn't that upset you? And I'm like, no, because he's an adult and like my parents especially they care so much for him that's a good relationship that's a good friendship that they have and he looks at my dad like a father figure oh boy you know i had an ex like that except that he didn't get along with my parents at all when we were together he was constantly shitting on them and after we broke up 
he went to live with them for a while. It was really confusing to me. You kind of wonder if they think it was this perfect relationship. I don't think it was. And I think if it were the ideal relationship, it would be us being able to communicate effectively. For like about a year, there was no physical communication, no sex. Oh, for about a year? Yeah, like about. And I would always say like, we're roommates pretty much. Jonathan, I don't like that. Mm -hmm. That was really hard. It was like, he said I was too bossy. But it's like, we're not doing anything at all. So it's me telling you like, this is like something that I want to do in general. So that can't be a reason that we're not doing anything. After you guys broke up, were you ever physical with each other past that point? Or was that over and done with in that dynamic? No, never afterwards. Mm -hmm. Like the last time he was here, for example, like I didn't give him a hug immediately when he came. And then when I did, like I was holding on tight. And then something playful that he used to do with me was like pinch my nipples. And he did that. So it's like, it was a turn on. And then I didn't know what to do with that energy because it's like, well, we're not together. I don't like it that he's speaking a language that no one can read, that no one can understand. And he's like already moved on. That's the issue. Like, I think that I have, it's kind of hard on me is that he's already over it. And part of it is that he has a new house now and he's spending and investing all his time with that. But, like, I just don't understand. And, you know, everyone's different, but I just don't understand how after almost three years of being with someone, you can just, like, be done. Like, you can see me as a friend already. No. Well, it sounds like the year without intimacy, mm-hmm. that's a big deal, you know? Yeah. You should be loved the way you want to be loved because mm-hmm. you're a person who can give love. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like that was also reactionary from his behavior. Definitely. Yeah. And it sounds like he's got a couple of mysteries there. And does he have communication with your family outside of you? Yeah. Yeah. When he was coming for the holiday, I just didn't really like that was the main question in my letter was like, I don't know what to do at this point because I want to be able to move on. Like he says he's moved on and I don't know how to continue with communication so what I've been was just like kind of pushing him away like we would talk on the phone because he's like my go-to and then he'd be like well I'll talk to you tomorrow and I was like or we don't have to like or you can just call me when you're headed over here but he outside of that would communicate with my family like what's going on with his house or like just things that have occurred and like this last time when he left on Christmas day he left the dog with me and the dog was crying and like Oh, God, we don't need the dog being dramatic. Right, right. So he's walking away and he texts me that he left something. So I bring it down. I'm like welling up at this time. And he's like, you'll see me again. And I told him, I'm like, it's not like that. I'm like, Nico is feeling abandoned. I'm feeling exactly how Nico is feeling. And I just get emotional every time you leave. And I kind of sat on that. And I just asked him, like, can we do a video chat? And then... I said, like, how grateful I was for him coming out and that I just can't be friends with him yet. Like, I'm not there emotionally. And maybe it's, you know, because of mixed feelings when he does come out and stay with me. But I told him, like, I've been trying to ice him out. But no matter what, he's always going to be there for me. And he's made that clear. And I was crying and crying and crying. And I said, you know, it's just so difficult for me because I don't want to have to do this, but I need to do it because I want to take time for myself to heal. And I know that means that I can't talk to you. 
Jonathan, I really think that's wise. And I can imagine how hard it must have been for you. It sounds like you intuitively know what you have to do, though. You broke up with him because it didn't feel like your communication was working. You said that you need to take time away because you're not emotionally there. And it seems like you so intuitively know this to be true. And I would say that generally your gut is right, right. right on this stuff. You have to listen to that instinct that is telling you something isn't right there. And I question a little bit him coming around and not really respecting that because it sounds a little bit like you both are kind of looking for that comfort and security of that relationship without Mm -hmm. necessarily the thought of what the relationship should be. It sounds like him coming by and staying there and it feels a little bit like he's satisfying some sort of itch without necessarily being there as a dependent partner in all ways that you need to be. And it's not that you can't be friends because it sounds like, if anything, that's where your relationship worked was as friends. But if he is your friend, he should be respectful of the fact that you probably can't be friends now. Yeah. I feel like you might be able to be friends once you're in a relationship down the line, if that's something that you want to be. But probably you won't want to be at that point. You know, it feels like at this time, because you were in something for so long that you're not going to be able to find this thing or whatever. And the truth is, you're probably going to be able to find something that makes you happier from a moment-to-moment basis. Yeah, it's crazy because when I think about it, it's like... I've never felt love unconditionally the way that he's... It was, though. He wasn't intimate with you for a year. And he was looking at places in another state without you knowing. That is very conditional. And he's infiltrated himself with your family. I'm sorry, Jonathan, is this too much? No, no. I mean, it's good hearing it from a different perspective because it's like maybe I'm just seeing it through filtered lenses. I don't like the infiltration with the family. I don't like looking for another place. And I don't like the lack of intimacy. I also think it's interesting that you described yourself as being taken care of when he's, you know, a decade plus older than you are, moving into your place, needing some things from you. Yet you are generous enough to describe yourself as having been taken care of. Does that make sense at all? Yeah. Cameron and I were talking early on about how heartbreak is ultimately helpful to our development Mm -hmm. as people. Unfortunately, time seems to be the only solution to it. Time and like really sad music. (laughs) But the distance does help. Yes. And I think that, you know, it might be a silver lining that he's moved away because I think that a clean start is for the best I think that these phone calls and the texts and this communication is putting you in each other's orbits enough that it's only lengthening a problem. And I don't think he's doing any work to change anything here. And it doesn't seem like he necessarily has an interest in making that effort. And I think that it's probably in your best interest to look after yourself And the fact that you said that you do need to take space and that he wasn't receptive of that also kind of speaks volumes. You know, as much as you might love him, and I'm sure you guys had a wonderful relationship in many aspects, the fact that he isn't being receptive of you right now is speaking volumes about where you guys are. 
it doesn't sound like he always has your best interest in mind. And at a certain point, you need to take care of yourself, regardless of whether or not he agrees with that decision. Right. And just to clarify, when I had that talk with him on the phone, he said, like, I understand, like, you can reach out to me next week or next month. Like, I'll still be here. Oh, my God. Like, the funny thing is, my mom says, like, we're all adults. So if we want to be friends with him, we still will be. But she told me, like, I don't have to reach out to him which is like a scary thought. I don't like that element. I don't think it's normal to be reaching out to an ex-partner's family to the level that he is. And to me, what that reads as he doesn't want the relationship, but he likes all the comfort and security blanket that a relationship gives. Totally. And he's keeping you around enough as a fallback so that he has a little love pod stored away that he can reach into and at any time and just like, oh, here's this little bit of affection and pining for me. The family I never had. Exactly. Yeah, he's coming out again. Oh, God. Right. So I'm debating, like, should I go out of town for the weekend or something? Like, Yeah, do what you can to avoid him and then distract yourself. And that's what I've been trying to like plan. Like I have an English degree and I want to start applying for an MFA in Good. creative writing. Yeah. So I'm like reaching out to old professors and like writing again and doing all of that just to get my headspace clear. We were just talking about that, the good that comes from heartbreak. Maybe you can find a way to write about it. I just don't think you guys wanted the same things. No, I understand that now. Yeah. And at some point, it doesn't have to be now, I would potentially ask in your family to slowly cut off the relationship. The fact that you guys still are in each other's lives and sending a signal to your family to kind of keep doing that. And unfortunately, they might be continuing that relationship for a while, regardless of whether or not you feel. But I think that you're naturally going to drift away if you start separating your lives and seeing other people. I really do think that it's about time that you get back on the horse. You don't need to go on all of the dates. You don't need to do all of the things. But to put yourself out there and to allow yourself to be open to that, I think you might really surprise yourself with, you know, what you find and what these new relationships might bring. And I also do have to say that going after your career and your passion is by far going to be the best benefit for you and just like take care of yourself. Right. I really think your hand was forced with this breakup. I think you're right because we were originally supposed to do long distance, but he said that we're breaking up. So no, you're totally right. Like it's just so helpful seeing it from this perspective. Like it's a crazy like eye-opening type of thing. Uh, I want you to be happy. I want you to protect your heart. I don't want this charming ding-dong to be jerking you around anymore. (laughs) I mean, it sounds like you already do know what you need to do. And you're looking for that permission to do that thing, which is, I think, to separate your lives. You guys both don't seem to have any desire to actually be in a relationship with each other. It becomes a question of what is it that you're trying to build towards? And if it's your own internal happiness, I really think that you need to start looking for other things outside of him and just separating. You can love someone and not be with them. If they really love you, 
they'll be okay with the fact that you're doing your own thing and you're taking care of yourself. And look, I am a believer that you can be friends with your ex to a certain degree, but also right after a breakup, it's not going to happen. You know, I really think that you need like the length of the relationship after the breakup before you can start even considering that. And if you guys were together nearly three years, you're going to need a lot of time before you can even have your dogs hang out or something like that. And I don't think that you want to be putting yourself through that feeling like you're breaking up again every time that you say goodbye to each other. Yeah, I don't. I hate it. I think it's time that you just start looking other places and consciously moving away from him. Yeah. Jonathan, I can't thank you enough. Yeah, thank you. I mean, it's so helpful hearing it from the outside perspective. It kind of like clicked. I just feel you. Like I feel this situation very much. It's a hard one, but I know that you're going to get through it. Yeah, you are. And I know you're going to come out of it stronger. So Yeah. yeah, just know that all this stuff just takes time. And it's not what we want, but it really is just going to take some time for you to move on. But you can do those proactive things. Start helping that along the way. Yeah. I know that your heart's aching and I know it'll take a bit of willpower, but it will happen. Thank you so much, Jonathan. Thanks. I love you guys. Bye, Jonathan. Bye. Cameron, I can't thank you enough. Thank you. For your time, your empathy. You were wonderful with our callers. Thank you. They were lovely. They were both so sweet. And I know that they're going to get through this. Obviously, such different situations. It seems like the first caller, she really has a great relationship. And the second one, it just sounds like there are a bunch of red flags that he's just not picking up on. And it's time to start looking after himself. Totally. And it's so hard when your family gets like... Oh, that's brutal. ...enamored with your partner or whatever. Yes, but you are incredibly intuitive. This is so sweet. And yeah, I really appreciate it. And it is an honor being on the show, having been a fan before. So I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Anna. Thank you again, Cameron. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Bye, Cameron. Enjoy the rest of your night. Bye. <laughs> 